Well, good morning. Let me welcome you to Crossroads. We are excited that you're here the week uh, after Easter, the weekend after Easter. We had a great weekend last weekend, and I want to welcome those who are joining us on Facebook Live. My fingers are crossed because last week, as soon as we got done with the worship, kicked them right off. So anyway, they missed it all last week. And again, uh, I hate that, but again, that's technology. And uh, we've, we're kind of in that weird spot right now where we're getting a little older as a church and some of the stuff that we've had around is starting to mess up and tear up and break up so we're in the process of replacing some things but again hopefully uh, you guys will be able to hang with us throughout the entire message today and again what an amazing week we had last week it was so good to see so many of our regular people back some people i haven't seen very much uh, through the pandemic and again not just the people who uh, have attended here before it was so encouraging to also see those who were visiting with us uh, I think we can all agree that the last couple of Easter's at Crossroads really really just one because the year before that we didn't even have one in, in 2020 we didn't do anything and we didn't have an online presence at that time uh, but 2021 was kind of abbreviated it wasn't what we're used to and if again if you've been around crossroads and you've experienced some of the things that we like to do in the way that we do it uh, it's not traditional church kind of stuff we kind of you know put a lot of fun and excitement into it last year was just kind of like okay let's get in hope we get it done and they don't cancel us again so this year was really encouraging uh, I have to believe that last weekend gave us some much-needed momentum. Uh, it gave us momentum because we left last Sunday and we left encouraged and we left challenged and we left inspired uh, and we left this place excited about what we believe is on the way. So again, we, 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 let me tell you, I'm a realist uh, and Easter and, and Christmas, you kind of know you're going to have big crowds and then everybody just kind of goes. So I want to encourage you, if you're here or if you're listening or watching us online, join us and invite a friend. Uh, be here because let me tell you, there's nothing, you, you, you just tell me, there's nothing like being here in this building, right? Am I right? I mean, you need to be here to experience God's people and to experience God's presence and to experience the, the power that is in worship like what we just experienced in the songs. You know, every week they're going to be different and we're going to try to do things that you know or that you're familiar with but you need to be here and to engage. Uh, as we get started this morning, I want to go back and revisit a point that I made last weekend during the Easter message. And again, some people would not have caught this because, again, the online uh, service kicked out. So unless you listen to the audio version, uh, which was available on our website, crossroadslebanoncom forward slash media, uh, you won't know this point. But the point was this. Uh, the point I made is that when you look at the religions of the world or that when you look at the systems of the world, they're all about doing. All religious systems are really about doing. It, it, I said it last week. It's really about us building a bridge back to God. Uh, the systems and religions of the world, they, they kind of all start with effort on the human side with humans doing what they feel like they need to do to get across that space. Because it's kind of like this. This was the picture I painted last week. It's like God's over here and we're over here and there's that chasm. There's that gap between the two of us. And we painted the picture last week. That chasm, that gap is sin. 
And again, that's what separates us from God. And again, so it's like human beings are always trying to do the things that, you know, be a little better, attend church a little more, volunteer, get behind a cause, pray a little more. We're all trying to do it by human effort to build our way across that chasm, to build a bridge that will take us across that bridge and get us back to God. All other religions and systems in this world right now are about human effort except one, and that's Christianity. Now think with me for just a moment. In many ways, though, Christianity is just like all of the other religions of the world. We have a book. We have a place of worship. We have songs that we sing. And we have teachers like me. Can I just take a time out right here and tell you what I did in the first service? So anyway, I, I, I like to be really transparent. So I'm sitting there as the video starts to play. I have not done this in 16 years, never at Crossroads. I'm sitting there, the video starts to play, and I reach down, and I don't have my mic on. And I have never done that. I have never done that. Uh, I guess I was, I don't know what, what got in my mind, but anyway, uh, this teacher was going to get up here with no mic on. And I'm not one to have to do a handheld. That, that just, I will do that if something happens, but it, it was so weird. So anyway, this teacher made a mistake. So anyway, I just want to let you know that I am not infallible. Uh, but one of the things that makes Christianity distinct is that we have a Savior. No other religion in the world will you find someone who tells you that not only am I going to, to tell you and teach you how to do life, but I'm also going to take on the consequences of your sin. No other religion has that, not one. Don't believe me? Research it. Christianity is the only one who has a Savior. And it's interesting to me because I, I talk to a lot of people during the week. From Sunday to Sunday, I'll talk to lots of people. Now, I will tell you this, this past week, I didn't want to talk to a lots of people. Because once Easter's done, it's kind of like it's just emotionally, spiritually, physically draining for me. So I just kind of unplugged this past week and did only those things that I had to do. But I talked to a lot of people during the week. I talked to a lot of well-meaning, good people. And what's interesting is in my conversations with people on a weekly basis, almost every week there is someone who expresses to me what I'm about to tell you. And I'm just going to say this. Some of you in this auditorium, some of you watching online, some of you listening online, you may believe what, uh, you may kind of buy into this idea that I'm about to tell you. Because again, this is something that's almost expressed to me on a weekly basis. And again, this may surprise you because here's the thing. Good, well-meaning people Almost on a weekly basis, they will tell me that they believe 
that there is more than one way to get to heaven other than Jesus. Statistics will tell you a large percentage of Americans believe there's more than one way to get to heaven. And some people who call themselves Christians, they believe that. They believe or they have bought into the idea that there's more than one way to get to heaven other than Jesus. They will tell you that they think that Jesus is one of the ways to get to heaven. But he's not the only way because they believe that there are other ways. And again, you have people, and again, I don't want, I'm not throwing her under the bus, but Oprah was one of the people who came out and was very pronounced in the fact that she believed that Jesus was a good teacher, he was a prophet, he was a good man, but he was not the only way to get to heaven. There are lots of people who listen to people like Oprah and they buy into this idea that there are many ways to get to heaven. So let me say this. If you believe that there are other ways to get to heaven other than Jesus, then really what you're telling me is that you don't need a Savior. That's what you're saying. If you believe there are other ways to get to heaven, then what you're saying to me is that you don't need Jesus. Because, well, not that you don't need him. You know, again, you just don't need a Savior. Because if you believe that there's another way to get to heaven or another way to God, then you don't need Jesus. And remembering that Jesus is the only person in the history of the world that claimed that he was taking on the wrongdoings of the world. Let me tell you something else that you believe if you think you don't need a Savior. If you think you don't need a Savior, then you've actually bought into the idea or you believe that you, my friend, are a good person. That's what you believe. If there are more than one ways to get to heaven and you don't need Jesus and you don't need a Savior, then what you actually believe is you believe that, you know what, I'm a good person. I'm a good person that occasionally messes up. I'm a good person that, uh, that occasionally does something bad. If you think you don't need a Savior, then you simply believe that you're good. And you occasionally mess up. Or you do something bad. So, so let's stop. If, if that's what you believe, that you're a good person who occasionally makes a mistake, then you think that somewhere out there in the, in, in, in the distant future, there's going to come a day. Here's what you believe. You believe that there's going to come a day where you're going to stand before God. And what you actually believe, if you don't need a Savior, you think, you know what, I'm going to stand before God, and in standing before God, I'm just going to argue my case before God. And I'm just going to tell God, I was a good person. And you're going to talk, and you're going to argue with God, or you're going to interact with God, and at the end of that interaction with God, you're going to say, God, you've just got to remember, nobody was perfect. 
and what you expect to hear from the lips of God is, well, you're right. Nobody's perfect. So come on in. That's what you expect to hear. Today is the, the, the week after Easter and the Sunday after Easter, and we're starting a brand new series. And this message really is what I would call the starting point. And, and again, you know, when you start a new series, you kind of have to build a foundation. You have to lay a foundation. And, and I'm going to lay this foundation this morning by not necessarily giving you a, just a really complicated foundation, something that you really need to understand. I just want to give you a premise. A premise. Because the premise that I'm going to give you truly needs to be the starting point of this series. And here's what that premise is. Look, look at the screen behind me. The premise that we all need to, to grab onto this morning and we need to understand is that you're not a good person. You're not a good person that occasionally does bad things. You're a sinner. That's who you are. You're a sinner that occasionally does good things. So here's the thing. Going back to what I, I said before that, if, if you're a good person that occasionally messes up, if you're a good person that occasionally does bad things, because that's who you are if you don't think you need a Savior, then you know what I would say to you? I would just say, well, why don't you do good instead of bad? If you believe you're a good person, then why don't you just do good instead of bad? See, if it's anger that gets you in trouble at home, then just deal with that anger. Stop being angry. If you know what it is that gets you in trouble, here's what I would say to you. If you think you're a good person who doesn't need a Savior, who doesn't need Jesus, I would just say this. If you have something that you do that gets you in trouble, then just stop doing it. And if you believe you're inherently good, you know what I would tell you? You just need to be consistently good. Because think about that. This would make counseling so easy. You just go to your counselor and tell them all of the things that you're doing wrong, and they're going to write those things down, and they're going to look you in the eye, and they're going to tell you, Randy, stop doing those things. And you pay them, and now you're a different person. So that's it. Just be good. Let's pray and let's go home, okay? It's not that, e it's not that easy. It's just not that simple. Why is it not that simple? I'm going to tell you this morning why it's not that simple. Because you're not good. As good as you think you are, let me just tell you this morning, you're not good. Because you are just like me, and you have a problem, and the problem that you have is like my problem, and that problem runs deep, very deep. And I know this morning that what I'm about to say isn't going to be good for your self-esteem, but I'm just going to go ahead and lay it out there. You're a sinner. That's who you are. I'm a sinner. You're a sinner. We're all sinners. 
And let me tell you this morning, because this may be the time that the light comes on, you're not a sinner because you sin. But you're a sinner because at your very core, your nature, that's the way you were born. You were born a sinner. Again, you know that things are wrong. Listen to me this morning. You know that things are wrong. And you don't want to do those things. And you don't want your spouse to do those things. And you don't want your kids to do those things. But you know those things are wrong. Come on, come on, somebody track with me. You know those things are wrong, but you still want to do those things. And whatever it is, like me, you know what? Even though you know you shouldn't do it, you run right towards it. And if somebody were to say to you, stop, as you're on the way to do whatever it is, and they were to ask you why you're doing that, you know how you would respond? I'm doing it because I want to. And they would say, well, wait, wait, Randy. Don't you know that's going to hurt you? And I'd say, yes. And you're going to do it anyway? Hasn't it hurt you in the past? Yes, it's hurt me in the past. Don't you see, Randy, what it does to other people? Yes. Aren't you going to regret that thing, whatever it is, once you do it? Yes. Because here's the thing, whatever it is, it is different in your life than it is in my life. Whatever it is, let me tell you what it does. It drives you past your morals. It drives you past your wisdom. It drives you past your judgment. And you do it. And you regret it. Don't, don't say it out loud, but what is that for you? Because we all have something. See, here's the problem. The problem isn't that you don't have self-control. The problem isn't that you're not committed. The problem is something that many of you in this house and many of you watching and listening online, it's something that you don't want to admit. You were born a sinner. So doing those things that you don't want to do, it comes naturally. Doing the things that you know you shouldn't do, listen, 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 it just comes naturally. I mean, think about what I said last week. Again, some of you don't know what I said last week. Most of you do. Nobody had to teach you how to sin. They don't teach sinning in daycare. They don't teach sinning in elementary school. Because here's the thing, sinning just comes natural for us. Again, if you don't believe I'm telling you the truth, then look at your children. You never sat down with your children or your grandchildren, did you? And told them, how to be disrespectful to other people. They, they just naturally knew how to do it. 
You never said to your grandchildren or your children one night, you never said, okay, guys, today we're going to sit down tonight and I'm going to teach you how to be selfish. You didn't have to do that. They just do it. And let me tell you why they do it. They do it because it's their nature. It all tends to come from their sin nature. So let me just say, the title of the series is Set Free. And this journey towards freedom, let me tell you how it starts. It begins when you and I have a grip, a firm grip on reality. Because here's the thing, you can't try to escape what you're trying to escape until you know the truth. You can't try to escape the things that you're trying to escape unless you actually know the truth about you, about who you are. You're not a good person that occasionally makes mistakes. You're like me. We together, all of us, are natural born sinners. And again, here's today. Here's today. Today's just the intro. It's just the introduction into what we're going to be talking about in the upcoming weeks. So with that being said, I think a great place for us to start is to look at something the Apostle Paul said in Romans chapter 5. And it's going to be on the screen behind me. But again, if you have your Bible and you can see it or get your phone out and your flashlight and you can read along with me, do whatever you need to do. Because I'm going to be honest with you this morning and tell you this. I now wish I would have used a little easier to digest translation but nevertheless here's what we got we're going to go with it okay romans chapter 5 verse 6 verse 8 and verse 12 paul says this he says you see at just the right time when we were still powerless christ died for the ungodly on good friday on a cross and it was ugly and it was terrible but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, and in this way, death came to all men because all men Sinned. I added the word there. Once upon a time, there was this guy named Adam. And Adam made a decision. You know what? He said, you know what? I'm just going to make a decision that goes against God. I'm going to choose against God. And here's the thing. All of humanity was in Adam. And it was Adam's decision against God, choosing against God, that's the very decision that corrupted all of us. Since we are physically from Adam, it made our nature corrupted. When Adam sinned, let me tell you what happened. When Adam chose to go against God, you know what happened? 
immediately Adam became something that he was not. And you and I came into this world affected by his sin. Let me tell you, I don't care how beautiful you were as a baby. Side note, most of you were really ugly as a baby. You know what I'm saying? Because babies really are ugly. They get better looking a few days later. But you came in this world, beautiful baby or not, you came in this world affected by Adam's sin. And let me just tell you this morning, when you think about that, that doesn't seem fair, does it? It doesn't seem fair that you were born at St. Thomas Midtown or, or Vanderbilt Wilson County or Centennial or Summit or wherever you were born. It doesn't seem fair that you stepped into this world out of your mother's womb, poof, there you are, and you're impacted or you're affected by the sin of somebody that you don't even know. It doesn't seem fair. And it may not be fair. But it's true. Because listen to me, Crossroads, that's life. Some things in life are true, but they're not fair. Let, 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 me, let, me, let me tell you this. I started turning gray in my 20s. Is that fair? No. But it's true. Some of you are short. Is that fair? No, but it's true. Some of you right now constantly struggle with your weight. Is that fair? No, but it's true. Some things in life are true, but they're not fair. But the Bible tells us that, that when you became a follower of Jesus, when you became a Christian, that, that you were taken out of Adam and you were placed in Christ. In other words, when you placed your faith in Jesus, there was a change in your fundamental self. Just as you were corrupted in Adam and you were destined to spend eternity apart from God, when you place your faith in Jesus, you are placed in Christ. And in that moment, the power of your destiny and your will are broken. Now catch this. Catch on to this. Not only has the power over your destiny changed, the power of sin over your will has been broken. Just as in Adam, listen to me this morning, you were a slave to sin. In Christ, the power of sin has been broken in your life. And then some of you are going, whoo, but, 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 but Randy, I, I'm a Christian. And I might be wrong, but uh, the last time I checked, looking at my life, even as a follower of Jesus, Sin was still active in me. Sin was still alive and well in me. But I want you to understand 
that something inside of you happens. Look at verses 16 and 17. Again, Paul speaking. Here's what Paul says. He said, again, the gift of God is not like the result of what man's sin. The judgment followed one sin and brought condemnation, but the gift followed many trespasses and brought justification. Paul continues to go on. For if by the trespasses of the one man, death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in life through that one man, Jesus Christ? What Adam screwed up in one act, Jesus changed in one act. And that's what we celebrated last, last weekend, the resurrection, Easter. Death reigned through Adam. But in Christ, in Jesus Christ, we have life. And Paul is saying that one man's act, Adam, sealed our destiny apart from God. One man's act, what Adam did, listen, listen, it made us slaves to sin. One man's act, one man's sin gave us a natural orientation towards sin. He polluted the whole world. And that's exactly the reason why we are the way that we are. Now think about this. If one man had that much power over the whole human race, how much more power and what kind of difference would it make if the Son of Man, Jesus Christ, acted on behalf of all men? Now listen to what I'm about to say. What Adam messed up, Jesus fixed up. What Adam messed up, Christ fixed up. He paid the penalty and saved us from the power of sin. So we can reign not only in heaven, but in life. Because we have been identified with Christ. I, I want to show you something behind me. Again, this is worth taking a picture of, worth writing down. Here, here's something that I just made a note of, and I said I want to put this on the screen. Because I think it's worthy of understanding. The resurrection saved you from the penalty and power of sin. We can reign over the power of sin. That's just not a theory. We can reign over the power of sin. Not in theory, not in theory that's reality. Because something has changed fundamentally in you. You're under grace. There's been a change. You've been set free. And some of you say, you know what, Randy? I don't feel free. And here's the thing. We're going to talk about that next week. But you have to understand at your essence, listen to me, who, let me tell you who you are. You are a sinner who needs to be set free. That's why you need a Savior. Amen? 
that's why you need a Savior. That's why we celebrate Easter. That's the very reason that Easter is such a big deal to us. And the question is, how do you make this a reality in your life and not just some concept that you know? How do you make this a, a reality in your life and not just some theological concept that you're aware of? Well, it begins with understanding this. Again, look behind me. I've been taken out of Adam because I placed my faith in Jesus. I've been taken out of Adam and placed in Christ. But see, when you're tempted, you know when sin is lurching at the door? You're tempted. You're saying, you know what? I really want to do that. But, 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 but God wants me to do this. I want, I want to do that, but God wants me to do this. And what Paul is saying is, time out, time out, time out. You just need to understand. That's not you that wants to do that. That's not even what you really want. Because, see, here's the thing. If, if I come to you a week or a day or two after you give in to sin, you go with that woman, you let that anger get the best of you, you do that deal under the table, you tell that lie, and I come to you a day or two later after you've committed that sin, you've given into that sin that was lurching, crouching at the door, and I ask you, how do you feel? If I ask you if you're sorry, you know what you're probably going to say? You're probably going to say, yes, yes, I'm sorry. I wish I hadn't done that. So what you're telling me is that you really didn't want to do that. No, I, I, I really, I, I, I didn't want to do it. But you did it anyway. Well, the question is, are there two of you? I mean, yesterday you said you wanted to do it. You wanted to do it so bad that you said, you know what? I want to do that sin so bad that I just basically say, forget God. And you did it. And then now you're saying that you didn't want to do it. So which one of those are you? And Paul is helping you to understand through the words that we've looked at that there's just one of you. There's one of you. And you will either identify with that sin that dwells in your mortal body or you will identify with Christ. And Paul is saying to us this morning, Crossroads, you in the auditorium, you listening, you watching, Paul is saying, I'm telling you, that you are dead to sin. That's not you anymore. Quit identifying, somebody needs to hold on to this, quit identifying to sin because you've been set free. Quit identifying with that sin. I mean, isn't it true in the midst of temptation? You're like, I really don't want to do that. But I really do want to do it. 
I mean, and, and that's, I mean, don't, don't hold your hand up. Don't throw out your sin. Don't tell me what you're doing. I, I mean, but isn't that the way it is? You're like, I really don't want to do that. But it's so fun. I really do want to do that. And the good news this morning is this. If you're a Christian, listen, listen. If you're a Christian and that little small voice in your spirit says, you know what, I don't want to do that. That's really you. Because when you say, I want to, that's your body. That's your flesh. But we get so confused, and listen this morning, we often identify with sin. And we miss what God has given us in Christ. Listen to me. Easter is so much more than what you think it is. Easter is so much more than just an opportunity to get together with your family. It's so much more than just that one time of the year to get really dressed up. It's so much more than smoked turkey and spiral cut ham and corn casserole and sweet potatoes and cornbread, and I'm going to do everything I can to make your stomach growl. Easter is a reminder that Christ's resurrection, that's what has set you free from the penalty and the power of sin. In other words, what I'm saying to you this morning, allow what is theologically true to be practically true in your life. Don't just think it's some theological thought. Allow it to be practically true in your life. And here's why this is so important. I'll tell you why it's so important. It's so important because when I was young, when I was a teenager... I was active in the church. I was active in the choir. I mean, in the youth choir. I was so active. I was the, the president of the youth choir. I was the president of the youth group. I was president of the BSU. As a matter of fact, I started the BSU at Cumberland University. And for whatever reason, I could stand in front of people as a teenager and as a young adult, and I could talk to people. And you know what people would do? They were dumb enough to listen to me. And they would sit there, and I could talk to them, and I could teach them. But over time, there was a problem. And the problem was this. A lot of the things that I was saying with my mouth wasn't lining up with my private life. A lot of the things that I was talking about and teaching about it just didn't line up with my private life. Because can I be honest with you and tell you, my private life and my thought life were a mess. And the problem wasn't that I wasn't committed. I was dedicated. I was very dedicated. The problem was I just couldn't do it. And it got so bad that I just wanted to quit. And I prayed and I believed and I memorized scripture 
I wanted to be good. I wanted to be like Jesus, but you know what? I just couldn't. And like many of you, I thought, you know what? Maybe I'm not a Christian. And so you know what I did? Over and over again, I replayed and reprayed the sinner's prayer in my life more times than I can even remember. Because you know what? I was like, probably like some of you. I thought, well, maybe it just didn't take on me. And so I just kept praying the sinner's prayer. And then I would read scripture verses in the Bible, and I would think, you know what? These verses, they really kind of don't make sense to me. I mean, I would read verses in the Bible like, you've been set free from sin in Christ, or I've been crucified with Christ, so it's no longer I, but Christ that lives in me, or sin shall no longer be master over you. And in all of those verses that I would read and try to memorize, I would be like, there's something there. I got to admit, there's something there. But in my own life, I simply could not connect the dots. Anybody know what I'm saying? Can anybody identify with this? But over time, there were, there were people in my life who helped me to understand. That I'm no longer a slave to sin. Sin is not me. Sin is a power that's been broken in Jesus Christ. Sin, the power of sin, it's no longer the master of the believer. Because in Christ, listen to me this morning, and I want you to hear me. In Christ, sin has no power over me. And for whatever reason, the thing that I'm going to talk to you about in the next three weeks, it started to sink in. And it started to change my life. See, I, I want to help you see that that Christianity, that following Jesus is, is an offer of forgiveness. And that offer is made available through the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross, which we celebrated last weekend. But here's the thing I want you to understand. Listen, listen to what I'm saying. Last weekend is important. The death, the burial, the resurrection is so important. But you need to understand there is so much more. Because if all you ever do is attend church and have the hope of heaven when you die, then you have not received what God intended for you to receive through the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. You will find yourself where some of you find yourself today. If you're honest. Even in your walk with Jesus, you feel alone and stuck in your journey. Wondering why I can't become the person that I long to be. So, what I'm suggesting is that we go on this journey together. To find a new way of looking at our life as Christians. Because what you need, listen, because what you need 
is more than what you've experienced. Look at John 10, 10. It says, the thief comes to kill and destroy. But I have come to have life. I've come so that you can have life. You know what Jesus is saying right there? Jesus is saying, you know what? I I didn't just come so that you could get to heaven. I I didn't just come to, to give you a code of conduct. You know what Jesus is saying? I want to set you free. I want, I want to give you life. And guess whose life he gave you? He gave you his life. He gave you his life to replace the life of Adam. And that's what we need to understand. We've been given life. And you begin to understand that, that you know what? Jesus Christ is my life. He's not just my example. He is my life. Jesus Christ is my life. And all I have to do is to allow him to live his life through me. Because I'm no longer in Adam. That one simple truth, you know what that can do? That can revolutionize your Christian experience. You're no longer in Adam, you're in Christ. And all you need to do is to allow him to live his life through you. That will change your Christian experience. But you know what I can't do? I can't do that for you. This church can't do that for you. No sermon that I will ever preach is going to be able to do that for you. You just have to allow God's grace in your life. You just have to allow God's grace to intersect with your life in the middle of what you're going through, in the middle of your brokenness in the middle of your vulnerability. And you know what? You have to get to the point like I did when I was a teenager or a college student, and you just have to say, you have to get to a place in life where you say, you know what? I just can't do it anymore. And in that moment, you know what God will do? God will enlighten your heart to see that Jesus is your life. Maybe this morning you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. Maybe you're one of those people who said, you know what, I believe there are multiple ways to get to heaven. But maybe today, because of the words that I've used out of Scripture, the truth of Scripture, maybe today you've come to a place to say, you know what, I finally get it. I don't occasionally sin. I'm a sinner in desperate need of a Savior. Maybe you want to ask what was done on the cross on Good Friday, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Maybe today because you get it, 
Maybe you just want that to be applied to your life. Or maybe you're a believer. And you know that Jesus is your life. You know that Christ is your life. You know that he's freed you from the penalty of sin. And you know that you've been forgiven, but this morning you don't feel free. Anybody here this morning that says they need to get set free? Set free from a fear that's holding you back? Set free from an addiction that's holding you captive? Does anybody here need to get set free from somebody who's hurt you? Set free from that lie that you've been hiding from other people? Do you need to be set free so that you can love people who are unlovable? Set free from that anger that's eating you up? Well, let me tell you how this journey begins, and I want you to see it behind me. The journey begins with this acknowledgement. Sin shall no longer be master in my life. Sin shall no longer be master over me. Jealousy, you're no longer my master. Lust, you're no longer going to be my master. Anger, you're not my master. Greed, you're not my master. Addiction, you're not my master. Because I'm in Christ, and He has set me free. He's my master, and He's my life. Would you bow your heads and pray with me, please, this morning? All across this room, every head bowed, every eye closed. Maybe again, like I said a moment ago, you have never accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. And maybe for the first time, you recognize that you're not a good person. You're a sinner in desperate need of salvation. And whether you're in this auditorium, whether you're watching online or listening online, maybe what you need to pray is just a simple prayer. Use your own words, follow, use, the, use my words. And just say to God, God, I, I need the work of the cross to be applied to my life. I'm not a good person, I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. And today I recognize there's only one way to get to heaven, and it's through Jesus Christ and His work on that cross. And God, today I want that work applied to my life. And God, in only the words that I can, and you just tell God, in, in the things that you've done, you just want to be forgiven. And you look to Him to be the author and the finisher of your faith. And you may have questions. You know what? I still have questions. But I look to God and I trust Him. Even, there, even though there are some things I don't understand. Maybe if you're a believer here this morning, you haven't been walking in that freedom that's available to you. And you just need to renew your commitment to Jesus Christ. Recognize Him as the freedom giver that He is. And you just need to allow Him to live His life through you. God, all across this room, with those watching and listening online, we're so thankful to be back in your house to worship you. To be thankful for the sacrifice that was given for us in the cross of Jesus Christ. For 
that life of forgiveness that's available to us, for heaven that will come to us one day. But God, more importantly, how we can live a better life now and let our lives impact the lives of other people. Bring people to heaven with us. Bring people into the kingdom by the actions and the love that we have for you. Set us free, God, and let us walk in that freedom as we ask this prayer this morning in Jesus' name. to the 